Hi there. It's me, Steve, and welcome back. Hello once again to uh, the latest episode of the Baked and Awake podcast. Uh, I think we're in episode 27, everyone. It seems about right. Um, as we record here, cracking my frosty beverage on a Wednesday afternoon, January 31st, last day of January. 2018 feels like about January 59th or as I think the internet meme is going January 73rd something around there it's a good five week month so yeah I also saw a good meme this month that said January is like the Monday of months I can't disagree with that either uh, anyhow, uh, want to open up real quickly by thanking, uh, Vanzel Kirk, uh, aka Inner Observer, uh, local Seattle, uh, fellow podcasting friend of mine for his, uh, recent listens and review of the podcast. Thank you so much for dropping a review in the iTunes store. Uh, didn't go unnoticed. Um, shout out to Van and his excellent, uh, locally produced show about all things higher consciousness. Uh, only the least part of which is things like mind-expanding drugs. So, uh, strong focus over there on, I want to say it's transcendental meditation. Uh, in either case, um, incorrect labels notwithstanding, cultivating a daily meditation and self-care practice and mindfulness practice and all things surrounding that and how that, how that goes and how that looks day to day. So check them out. Uh, and speaking of checking, uh, cool podcasts out, um, another quick shout out and, uh, these, these will serve as our sort of podcasts of the week as well. This week rolled into one here, but, um, I'm very excited to have participated on my friend Mike Peacock's podcast on the edge with Mike Peacock just a couple of days ago, uh, headed out to beautiful Port Orchard, Washington, uh, out on the peninsula and, uh, spent the day hanging out in Mike's beautiful home, uh, met his lovely wife, Marsha and hung out with, uh, the both of them and, uh, recorded two episodes back to back. The first of which is already out. Uh, Mike is, I believe Podbean hosted, but I believe you can get him, you know, through all the, all the usual places, including iTunes. Um, and that podcast is called on the edge with Mike Peacock. Once again, I uh, had a great time talking cannabis, uh, sort of, uh, just a general, general catch up and BSing, BS session about cannabis related, in, uh, matters on this, uh, edition. And then, uh, tune in next week to hear us, uh, flip conspiratorial and talk about one of my favorite pet topics, the old chemtrail conspiracy. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. Check that out, please. That would be really fun and looking forward to doing more stuff with Mike in the future. Uh, let's see here. Um, other highlights for this week. I'm, I'm delighted on the last day of January to report that we obliterated, um, December for downloads right now. And I was going to be happy to equal December's downloads or modestly build by like, you know, I would love to see a hundred more downloads in, in January over December. 
and I intended to game the system and just throw episodes at you if I had to to get there. Um, and I didn't have to do that. So thank you everyone for the listens. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm just totally humbled right now. I can't even understand. Um, I really hope this, you know, is the start of a trend of us being on that slightly next level, that slightly next plane of, you know, downloads with each new episode. Um, I'll do my best for you. Uh, of course, always week in and week out. We'll try to just keep bringing, bringing the best show we can to you. Let us know, let me know if I'm not. All right. I'm hoping I'm keeping the music at a, at an audible, but not dominating level today. Uh, cause I know in my bonus sode it was a little loud. So gosh, I hope you'll forgive me for that one. Um, make a slight adjustment here on our, there we go on our mic angle. All right. Uh, so yeah, great month of downloads in January. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and, uh, let's see here. Um, I guess on related to that. Yeah. Related to that. I am excited to announce, just got this email this morning, posted it on Instagram today. Everybody. We have successfully made it onto yet another uh, incredible distribution platform. Uh, I did have to resort to black hat hacking tactics uh, for this one, and uh, we literally tunneled into the back end of the Clear Channel servers, tied up their gatekeeper AI, uh, and implanted our RSS feed deep into the throbbing heart of the beast that is iHeartRadio. Yes, that's right. You can now find the Baked and Awake podcast on iHeart, along with almost dang near every other podcatching thingamajigger out there. Just try me. It's it's great though. I'm excited. Obviously, iHeartRadio, big news. Stoked to be on that platform. Um, yeah, uh, I guess last announcement, um, of that sort is, uh, finally, as always, please, uh, it's not as always, it's not that old of a thing yet. Um, we've had our T public store up for a few weeks now. You can find legit original designs from real life friends of mine, uh, talented, talented friends who made awesome, uh, logo designs, uh, for us. Uh, for the podcast, and uh, there's a lot more than just shirts there at Tee Public. Every purchase that you do decide to make goes straight to supporting the show and improving the show. Um, and you get to help us spread the good news that is the Baked and Awake podcast with the many, oh so many, unwashed masses who still don't know the time. Conspiracy time. Uh, wanted to mention an upcoming event, by the way, uh, being, yeah, this is the last day of January. So in just two weeks now, uh, Canacon Seattle, uh, is coming up. So that's an industry event, but it is open to the public here in, uh, Western Washington. They have Canacons in a couple other locations, uh, around the country now, but this did begin in Seattle back in 2014. And, uh, this is going off from like the 15th to 17th of, um, February. I'll leave the link in the show notes, of course, uh, for you for Canacon. And I believe it's canacon.org if you want to go check it out. 
uh, right away. But uh, tickets are available. You can go just for the expo floor. You can go for expo and seminars. You can even do the VIP thing. Uh, are you going to Canacon? Are you planning on going to Canacon? Um, let me know. Reach out. Say hello. You want to talk business, 502 business, let's talk 502 business. You want to talk podcast stuff, content creation, video stuff, let's get together and chop it up about that. You want to get together in session, fucking hugs and high fives, let's do that too. Blunts, dabs, whatever you want to do, let's do it. Uh, hit me up, talk to us at bakedinawake.com. You can find me on Instagram too, at bakedinawake. Yeah. All right. Um, got a couple stories we're going to jump into and then uh, get to our uh, main topic of discussion. But I'm going to start out um, with by sparking this joint. So this joint is uh, like just a like a trim pre-roll that I got from somewhere like a five pack and um, grabbed them down at Green Token in Tacoma, as a matter of fact. So thank you guys, Warren and team down there at Green Token cost like two bucks i don't even know this fucking five pack was so cheap um and uh but what i did there was i took it home and i put a little put a little gold line uh crumble in there that i already had kicking around here some og kush crumble right in the tip there opened up the tip and sprinkled that in and just sort of you know wiggled it around let that sprinkle in and then i went to my own own little personal keef stash and and um scraped a nice little scoop of uh, Keef, you know, mixed Keef out of the old Keef catcher. Drop that in that tip. You get the idea. Did a whole bunch of uh, TLC on that. Rolled it around. Fondled it. Gave it the old magic twist. Put it back together. Now we're going to see what we got. Figured it would be perfect. Our our strain of the week is the OG Kush from Goldline, by the way. Information will be in the show notes. But if you're here in Washington State and you see the Goldline product, it's always really stupidly affordable. It seems like it's wrong or on sale or something. It's like 30 bucks a gram. I've never seen it for more than 35 This stuff is always fluffy and beautiful. The test results seem to put it right up there with everybody else's potencies out there so i got nothing but good stuff to ever say about the gold line uh, i took a horribly overexposed flash photo of it it's in the show notes if you want to see it um got it at have a heart in skyway in uh yeah in the skyway neighborhood and uh those guys i mean so you know there you got 30 dollar oil uh, that looks great, and then Have a Heart saves you five bucks just for walking through the door almost every time I walk in that place, and they certainly did this time. So I don't even know how you beat that price uh, or that experience because the stuff dabs great. So, um, But anyway, I got some of that OG Kush in mixed in with the rest of this Indica in this joint right now along with some Mystery Keef, and that's going to fuel our first story that we're going to talk about which is a Washington State, a new Washington State cannabis home grow bill. Uh, and this is different than 1092, the one that we've talked about in the past, which really, frankly, if you review it, go back and listen or, or read read that bill, or excuse me, listen to our episode where I talked about it. I talked about it a couple different times now. That bill was 
not a great looking bill. It wasn't a good look for home grow for any of us. A lot of it involved like traceability for home growers um, in with this system. It was pretty kind of hilarious, actually. So and, and understandably, it was widely panned. Um, I do think it's still kicking around and may yet have its day in terms of um, in front of the legislature in the 2018 session here. But there's a new one called Bill 2559, and um, let's see, who reported on it for us here? Gondrepreneur. Take a look here at this story. Light this joint, though. All my goodies are all up at the tip, but I sort of rolled it and, you know, tried to get it to, you know, sprinkle down through the first, you know, half inch or inch of the, inch of the joint. Oh, I even put a little, a little bit of my own leftover flour in, on top of the shake and keef just to fill the rest of this bat all the way up. Oh, yeah. <coughs> well, we got something going on there, that's for sure. That is for sure. All right, so Gondrepreneur, uh, you know, kind of a mostly industry-oriented kind of blog, but it's like industry entrepreneurs, as the name would imply. So anybody who wants to read Gondrepreneur, this is really approachable stuff. They have a story here that says, Washington State Home Grow Bill Advances. Lucas Barfield wrote this on the 19th of this month. <clears throat> This is your Washington State's House of Representatives. Commerce and Gaming Committee has passed a bill allowing adults over 21 years old to grow six plants and possess up to 24 ounces. House Bill 2559 passed the committee on Tuesday by a vote of 7 to 2, bringing Washington one step closer to joining the other legalized states, all of which allow their citizens to grow cannabis at home. We keep on talking about that, but we are a notable exception there. And I certainly believe that home grow is no threat to any legal industry. If anything, you, you cultivate a whole class of customer who has a higher appreciation for how difficult it is to grow top shelf cannabis. Um, and therefore are that much more willing to pay a slight uh, premium for some of the better quality product that is offered out there. Um, yeah, it's just there's no real downside because there's no opportunity for a home grower with six plants to pose any threat. I mean, they, they're, they're not even going to supply themselves for the year without dry spells ever with that many plants. Most folks, I promise you, if you're good enough to grow that much, you're good enough to smoke that much. <laughs> I just made that up. Anyway, all right, keep going. What's the rest of this story here? It says here, the legislation would limit the total number of plants per household to six and permits landlords to restrict growing on their property. The bill, sponsored by Representative 
Brian Blake, Democrat, and Carrie Condotta, already has a companion bill in the Senate. Although not scheduled for its next hearing in the House, the bill is expected to move forward in the legislative process in the coming weeks. During testimony, supporters expounded the medical uses of cannabis and said allowing home grows would expand access to veterans. Detractors said that allowing homegrown cannabis will increase youth access and that they worry about the smell. Last year, the Washington State Liquor and Cannabis Board submitted three homegrown policy recommendations. Widely rejected by cannabis supporters, two of the proposals required citizens to get a permit to grow, with one of them requiring a security and tracking system. The third proposal was to keep the status quo in which only medical cannabis patients can grow four to six plants, respectively. The proposed legislation would not implement any of the WSLCB's recommendations and is a simple, straightforward, one-page bill. So, you know, this one's, you know, not, not quite a stub. It's a nice little story and it gives us the link to the bill to follow up on and track this story further. So, uh, I express my appreciation to Lucas and Gondrepreneur for tracking that story for us and getting it out there. Um, certainly of great interest and one that we'll be following closely in the coming weeks. All right. I did put a link straight to the Bill 259 summary and status uh, there as well, underneath the Gondrepreneur article link in the show notes for you. All right. Next up, keeping on our ongoing theme of tracking sort of blockchain and cryptocurrency stories, however poorly we may understand the whole matter and topic. We can hardly fail to understand it worse by continuing to read about it and talk about it. Did I say we can hardly fail to understand it worse? Wow. Well, not that, the opposite of that. We will endeavor to understand it better by continuing to read about it and talk about it. So I got a story from, mm, I don't know, little clickbaity. I don't know who the hell these guys are. VentureBeat.com. I always say that. I always say that. And these are all my sources. So what do you fucking want? I don't know. That's what we're doing here. VentureBeat. How blockchain could kill both cable and Netflix. Smoking weed. Blockchain technology, powered by nodes of peer-to-peer computers around the world, is on the rise. So, can we expect decentralized entertainment applications built on the blockchain to replace streaming services like Netflix or Amazon? 
and be the final death knell for Cable. Video production studios have already seen a lot of disruption recently. Websites like YouTube and Twitch have created a mass market for user-generated content, stripping the cable networks and studios from their positions as the sole creators of mass market video content. Yet, despite the rise of those mega websites, most high-quality scripted entertainment content today still comes via a largely centralized model. Studios and networks, now expanded to include streamers, Netflix, and Amazon. I'd add Hulu to that pile. Maybe even wannabes like YouTube Red. Fund the development of content, and the content follows an orderly approach to distribution. From the studio to the end user along one of the predefined channels. Cable or broadcast or mobile device or website. Sounds about right. Blockchain has the power to fundamentally disrupt the entertainment industry because it brings out a completely new decentralized model for content distribution. In a blockchain, computers all over the world act together in a peer-to-peer -to -peer network to work on some task. There is no central server or authority. We've talked about these concepts. We kind of talk about them slightly each time. I think it's m m very worthwhile to just read it. Every time somebody chooses to explain it, we read it again. We say it again, and we sit with it again. So, you know, it's review, but it's good. They continue. Today, Netflix and cable still rely on the idea of centralized aggregation and distribution. Content creators must get past some number of gatekeepers and strike business deals with the network, which then puts the content on a server and distributes it over the air, via coaxial, or more recently over the internet directly using CDNs content delivery networks like Akamai or Amazon CloudFront. Decisions about what content is offered, when it's offered, the price and the distribution route are still very proprietary and hierarchical. In a decentralized world, no single website or authority would have a say over what content is to be distributed and how it will reach the last mile. No website would be able to block specific content. With decentralized apps, or dApps, for entertainment, whether it's for live streaming or on-demand video, thousands of computers around the world would act as broadcasters in a mesh network that is not hierarchical. These Super nodes would solve the last mile problem by broadcasting the signal to computers that are geographically nearby. This will be particularly effective in countries that don't have lots of presence from existing CDNs.
number of new crypto projects have cropped up that use either existing blockchains or completely new blockchains as infrastructure for decentralized video streaming. Some of these are optimized for ingesting and compressing content to make it available, such as LivePeer, built on Steam blockchain, and Viuli, built on Ethereum. Some are application-level tokens for streamers and influencers, such as Stream Token and YouNow slash Props, both on Ethereum. Spective VR is focused on the advertising model and making sure content creators get a larger part of it, particularly for VR content. And Library, L-B-R-Y, and my company, Theta Labs, person who wrote this article evidently, are building new blockchains slash protocols to support third-party dApps for entertainment, esports, and more. Not only could these blockchain projects completely disrupt the distribution world because they no longer require centralized architectures, they can also disrupt the Netflixes of the world and make the idea of channels on cable completely obsolete. What is a channel but an aggregation of curated content over a well-defined distribution network? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I feel weird. I feel funny. They continue here. says, here are a few ways that a fully decentralized blockchain-based entertainment network might disrupt the industry. Free up content creators. Content creators could create shows and make them available over a decentralized platform instantly. No need to go pitch a studio or try to get Netflix to put you on their system. No more gatekeepers that have to approve your content. Sounds very much like podcasting, right there. Next, new channels. New channels could emerge in a completely decentralized way. You could envision channels for esports, live events, fantasy, sci-fi, news, etc. These channels could be set up by anyone and joined by content creators. Advertising and free content. Free content could even disrupt the traditional TV advertising model, which sites like YouTube are also following, by using tokens on these networks. The new blockchain video projects usually provide coins or tokens that advertisers can use to buy exposure on these decentralized channels. They can then specify that those tokens go directly to the content creator without having a middleman take a big chunk of the revenue. A large departure from existing practices where the middleman gets the biggest chunk. Interesting. So maybe that's like where the PayPal layer... <laughs> or 
maybe the Patreon layer, excuse me, whichever it might be. Excuse me. Hmm, interesting there. Okay, and then uh, finally, paid content. As for paid entertainment on the subscription model, viewers could use the new tokens issued by decentralized content networks to subscribe to particular channels or pay a particular content creator. This can be seen on demand. HBO and other subscription networks recently released their own apps, so you don't need a cable subscription to watch them. Yep, HBO Go, etc. The next HBO may be a completely decentralized network that is not tied to cable at all. Conclusion. Watch out. Um, yeah, so... He's wrapping up here. A couple more sentences. Technology changes have always impacted the entertainment industry. While the internet has created new ways to consume content, the creation and distribution of high-quality shows has, for the most part, still been dominated by a small number of players, studios, TV networks, cable providers, and aggregators like Netflix. This hasn't led to the democratization of content that was the promise of the internet. Blockchain technology has the ability to fundamentally disrupt the entertainment industry by breaking that pseudo-monopoly, replacing the centralized gatekeepers with a peer-to-peer -peer network. Many of these projects will be glowing live towards the end of this year and we can expect to see rapid growth of the new players in 2019 and 2020. Just as it took Netflix a number of years to displace Blockbuster and video rental stores as the dominant way to consume on-demand entertainment, it may take a number of years before the new decentralized approach becomes the dominant trend. Look to the 2020s to be the decade of blockchain in entertainment. Whew, what a cool story. Uh, our author is Rizwan Virk, V-I-R-K, an advisor, investor, and the head of corporate development at Sliver.tv, and a member of the founding team at Theta Labs. He also serves as the current director of Play Labs at MIT. He's an early investor in cryptocurrency and many blockchain companies, including Ripio and Bitpagos, CoinMarket, Bex.io, and has been active with BitAngels since 2013. He was also the designer of Bitcoin Bazaar, one of the first peer-to-peer -peer mobile applications for in-person trading of Bitcoin. That story came from VentureBeat.com. Link in the show notes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, man. Blockchain just never stops being interesting. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Um, I got one more for you. And then 
I mean, we got a, just an action-packed episode here today. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, I got unscripted hot take on something that I recently became aware of, and some of you who might be into podcasts might totally know all about this already. But uh, Macaulay Culkin has a podcast. Boom, I'm just like dropping, you know, big people's names for no reason. Um, he's got a podcast. Uh, so I know I already talked about my two friends' podcasts up top. That's totally unrelated. This is just something, I don't know what this is. Macaulay's got a podcast. It's called the Bunny Ears Podcast. Um, and I had this line item here. I got the link to the podcast in the show notes. I guess here we're, here's where we're at. I got a hot take on it for you. I got no, no notes on it written down. We should look at this again later. So this should be quick and easy. Um, I, my hot take is this. Please check out the podcast and listen to it. Listen to their theme music, uh, first and foremost. The lyrics of the theme music are interesting and pointed and odd to me. Um, I uh, find, you know, Macaulay endlessly fascinating. I'm of the age where Home Alone was a big movie for my childhood growing up. I'm the exact right age, just a couple years older than uh, him, you know, maybe four or five years at most older than him. So, uh watched all those movies <laughs> gladly um and um you know sort of have followed his career and and stuff uh coming up the the theme music is weird the uh you know name of the podcast is obscure and interesting i've listened to exactly one episode so far and it's the most recent episode as of today the 31st so i think it came out uh, the friday before this just a few days ago um uh, but in it, they have a guest, and in it, they talk a little bit about his Velvet Underground uh, pizza-themed uh, cover band that they had for a while there. That was a tribute band, uh, supposedly, ostensibly. Um, and, uh, yeah. Where am I going with that? I guess people toss his name around with everything and tons of conspiracies about Michael Jackson, naturally... Um, who I don't believe he's ever come out to have said anything bad about ever. Um, in fact, I think he's done nothing but defend Michael Jackson. Um, so, and I'm not pointing fingers at Michael Jackson, um, at all, <laughs> per se, uh, at all. It's an interesting podcast. I'm going to be listening to more of it. The episode I caught just instantly had my, like, weird conspiracy spider senses tingling it's interesting to me they just launched this podcast in the last few months um it's neat that he has a podcast and i'm hopeful that it's interesting and cool because it does seem like they're interested in weird shit including oddball conspiratorial type shit so i need to go back and listen to their back catalog but their most recent episode was weird and interesting I think you guys should check it out too, and maybe we could talk about it together in the future offline. You know how to get at me. Um, you know, I went ahead and hit subscribe, and I'm going to be checking it out. Excuse me. Bubbly water. All right, so that's that. That's the hot take. Bunny Ears podcast. Link in the show notes. I don't know what I'm saying about that shit, but it seems interesting and weird, so... All right. 
At long last, I have number four, our Landmark Forum. Intro to the Landmark Forum, which is going to be a two-part episode. And I wrote down here for us, the Landmark Forum, the foyer, or the foyer. This is going to be the intro to and the antechamber to uh, a second episode, an in-depth episode on the Landmark Forum and, um, yeah, just uh, everything that sort of has been in my mind about it since deciding to do the episode about it and what we've come up with in in by way of research and understanding and resources for any of you to, you know, continue to look into this, of course. So, um, let's make you know, a little adjustment there. All right. So, the Landmark Forum, if you've been listening, maybe you've even looked them up ahead of time. If you haven't, um, you know, Landmark Education or Landmark Forum, um, its predecessor, pre- predecessor organization, EST Training, or Earhart Training, Earhart Seminar Training, uh, can be credited or blamed, I guess, depending on, you know, who you ask, um, with the creation of what I guess you would call like the modern self-improvement, um, you know, yeah, like the seminar industry. Okay. Um, uh, EST, um, named for the founder, Erhard, uh, Werner Erhard. Okay. Earhart Seminar Training um, itself was, you know, one of the earliest, not necessarily the first and only, you know, you've got like motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar and others who came, you know, many years before the Carnegie, um, you know, sort of uh, books and schools. I'm sure that guy was doing speeches and, uh, you know, talks and all sorts of stuff for years before this started. But this this sort of late 60s, early 70s, uh, really a 70s phenomenon um, of these extra large, um, self-improvement retreats. Um, a lot of them, uh, corporate oriented, um, you know, uh, 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 executive vice president or a board member, a member of your board of directors would get into it, uh, through whatever, um, you know, local Toastmasters group or whatever they were a part of or their Kiwanis or something. And, uh, next thing you know, they're requiring every, you know, manager in the company or every person in the company to attend, you know, and they're putting the bill for that, for that, uh, weekend retreat, but you're going, <laughs> uh, and, and somebody paid, <laughs> somebody paid landmark for that training. Um, so, you know, this, this goes back decades, this industry, and, you know, it's a multi-million dollar, multi-multi-million dollar a year industry. Um, you know, self-care, self-improvement, career development, you know, team building type, uh, retreats, all this kind of stuff. You name it. This is all credited to, uh, groups like EST and ones, you know, analogous to them with different methods and systems of, you know, advancing people through their careers, um, and lives, indeed their lives, um, yeah, it's like every corporate retreat that you've ever been to, 
with like obstacle courses in the woods and trust falls and all. I mean, this isn't that stuff in this particular setting. Uh, I did, by the way, disclaimer, I did, I don't know if it was a disclaimer or a rationale. I did attend a landmark forum communication workshop, which is the first weekend workshop. It's the three day kind of experience. It's the, it's the, um, trademark, so to speak, landmark experience. Uh, that is not to say the landmark advanced curriculum, which can vary in length and is lots of different, um, uh, courses, uh, of different that go by different names and stuff. So, uh, but at any rate, <clears throat> Okay, so you know, uh, yeah, people get personal in these retreats, as you probably already know. You know, if you've been anything like this, you know, they talk about traumas that have been done to them, and they give you this platform to do it. You know, there's a microphone, there's a, you know, a, a open space for people to get up and go walk up and, you know, take the mic and talk, um, uh, if they're not talking about the traumas done to them, sometimes they're talking about the traumas they inflict on people. You know, I'm a bad husband, I'm a poor manager, I'm a bad friend, you know, whatever it might be. You know, personal failures of, of all sorts, you know. Um, you know, TMI, overshare, you know, central, safe place to do it, too. Um... And at moments, it remind you know, looking at my notes here, you know, at moments it does. It reminds those of us brought up in the church at times of, of elements of whether it's um, youth group weekends or, you know, certain parts of sermons at times or uh, certain exercises in Sunday school or other things like that where you go through similar opportunities to, you know, encounter yourself in some way and, you know, frame it in some curriculum you know in the case of sunday school the curriculum is obvious right so yeah just seeing if i need to read you all of you know what i wrote here and all right so you know yeah so you know it's not just corporate retreats and no name motivational speakers uh you know ex-nfl players and and stuff like that who you know um aren't a-list you know celebrities i mean we are talking gary v we're talking tony robbins and dr oz you know on down the line um i feel like things like ted talks can uh give a nod to this industry i'm dead serious um you know, to go back more, to take it back to the, you know, obvious, more obvious, you know, maybe Deepak Chopra is more your speed. Uh, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, you know, um, it doesn't matter as far as I'm concerned, same diff. Um, yeah, maybe you begin to see where I'm going here. Um, you know, to jump the tracks from there, you know, and land in a parallel lane and no less important. Okay. These are, this, this is stuff that comes to mind when I think about my experience with landmark. Okay. And it's stuff that if a person hasn't been exposed to all these different types of um, people, you know, those are, uh, you know, 
one group of luminaries, uh, you know, celebrity uh, guru types. Um, you know, how about, you know, reductionist and materialist icons? Um, Richard Dawkins, Jonathan Haidt, Christopher Hitchens, Okay, many more. Uh, these are like existentialist, materialist, modern intellectuals or modern skeptics. Um, they, they, you know, they made their careers on the back of the need for explanation and solving of some of life's greatest questions, you know, for man to solve those things. These are the humanists, so to speak. Some of them are the transhumanists. These guys are, though, our, our modern-day Nietzsche's, you know, to get to speak in philosophical terms again. And, and I'm a blathering, high school-educated, you know, doofus. So, uh, you know, please tear me apart and help me out because I'll probably thank you for it. I'll try to. Um, but what I look at when I look back and recall my landmark experience, when I look at the YouTube videos that I've watched dozens of, uh, you know, freshening my memory of other folks who were fresh out of their experiences, other folks who snuck hidden cameras into the, to the, uh, to the retreats, to the seminars, you know, uh, they, they they do a lot of stuff that is not bad stuff. It's not new stuff either. It's existentialism with a uh, little little uh, sprinkling of nihilism in there on the, on the end. Um, so it's not you know. I mean, this is it's you know Neil deGrasse Tyson would love it in there. Bill Nye would love it in there. Okay. Um, and there's an arc that I'm, as far as I'm concerned, they're on right there as well. Um, so, and I'm not saying everything, all those guys who I just pointed out, the only reason why I know all those people's names is because I've read their books because I like their stuff for the most part. You know, most of those guys have either books or talks or both, a plenty um, there that, you know, we all have access to and all of whom have, you know, had, you know, awesome stuff to contribute at some point in time or other. So, uh, but they also represent a certain sort of paradigm. And so uh, if I'm painting a picture there, I'm painting a picture. So, um, you know, uh, and I guess I did write it down. I guess I wrote a little bit more of the picture, you know. The, this is a, a, as far as I'm concerned, it's like a lightweight, okay, it is, it is, it's a lightweight pop culture sort of end of the spectrum of their curriculum it, that tells us, as you'll come to, you know, find out if you ever participate in the program, and I'm not telling people out of hand to not do so, um, that, you know, it, it kind of, it both tells us that we're simultaneously the most clever thing that has ever walked on two legs and has eyes to see. Um, and that the fact that this is the case should in no way be mistaken for evidence of innate 
superiority or indeed even adequacy um, for evidence of a grand design or an omnipotent and omnipresent loving God or any other overt meaning or purpose whatsoever. So that's the nihilistic kind of part uh, of it. And, uh, you know, I'm not, it's not like spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Like that is kind of, they put forward to you on Friday when you start this thing um, that, you know, by the end of the weekend, you're going to learn the one big thing, you know, the, the big secret, the, 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 the reason why you're here, the key that's going to help you. You know, move ahead in a new place in your life after this. Never the same. Blah, blah, blah. It is some version of that. That is ultimately revealed to you on day three. This is what was revealed to me. It is what was revealed to every person whom I've spoken to about this. Um, and anyone who cares to do the most cursory investigation into that will determine that the initial weekend, the, I want to believe they are referred to and presently packaged as the communications workshops. So it's a, you know, totally geared towards being a career development thing, an opportunity to learn, you know, negotiation skills, you know, effective conversation, whatever it might be. Whatever, you you know, they let you tell them what it's going to be. They do a good bamboozle on that front. They do. So, um, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I did go through this. It was, you know, good 10 years back now, probably. But this doesn't seem to have changed much in the, in the intervening years. And I would like to point out, it continues to be you know, a popular program that people participate in year in and year out. Um, but, you know, I, I made it through it. I experienced, you know, the full experience. I was pretty, I tried to go in pretty open. I stayed pretty open um, the whole time. I did, you know, some of the homework, and the homework really basically involves a big component of the landmark uh, education, you know, program is, you know, it's, it's kind of 12 steppy. It's like, you got to call a couple people and make amends with them, you know, for having been inauthentic is I believe the terms in which I, it was being couched. The reason to have the conversation was, you know, you know, you're becoming more authentic with yourself the entire weekend, the homework at the end of long days of uh, sitting in a room with, you know, a couple hundred people uh, for like 13, 14 hours um, is to go home and call somebody and get it done tonight because you got to get back to the forum in the morning. So I know it's like 10 o'clock, but you should probably call them on the way home in the car if it's going to be too late by the time you get home. Not that anybody's telling you to 
call somebody on the phone in the car, but they're telling you to figure out if you have to sit in the parking lot and call them before you drive home. You know, it's not it's not lost on them to explain that, you know, explicitly, you know, to people on their way out the door. So you get a little bit of the idea. Uh, having made this contact with someone and made some sort of breakthrough conversation with them and probably saved a relationship that was languishing or had, you know, dissolved uh, maybe years beforehand in some cases. Um, a lot of times that same person who you called for your homework might be a prime individual to invite to celebrate your graduation ceremony from the Landmark Forum on that following Tuesday evening after work. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm, I, I do have a little bit of derision towards that, you know, because as you can tell, I am pointing out that there's a, uh, you know, a bait and switch recruiting sort of gambit that's employed here, you know, every day as part of their, you know, that's they rely on that in their organizational plan in terms of how to get new members. So, and everybody says that's the case, and indeed it is. Um, so I did not heavily recruit people to come to my graduation other than my girlfriend and my father-in-law who had helped enroll me in the thing in the first place. Um, so yeah, they both had to come back. <laughs> um, but so... But, I mean, at the time, I was open to it. It was an interesting experience. It felt like progress. I made a couple of speeches to people close to me. Uh, probably didn't do, you know, uh, the full level of work that uh, somebody would have, you know, somebody at Landmark would have really liked to see uh, me or any person do. But then again, I mean, what can I say? They they would have liked to see me sign up for all the advanced courses as well. You know, it would be fine that I didn't make all the progress on round one. That's why I got to come back for the advanced courses because you know I was close. You know I was close, man. I was just, I was right there. I just didn't do the work, you know. wasn't being authentic. You know. Or maybe I was already, you know had studied Taoism for a number of years and had at least a passing acquaintanceship with existentialist thought, um, you know, in its many forms and was, you know, uh, you know, while I haven't been to a lot of therapy over the years, um, I've certainly spent, you know, more than half of my adult life's nonfiction reading has probably been in this category that being some fucking new age self-improvement, you know, hoopla of some sort or another that somebody was peddling. You know, I love the stuff. I mean, you know, you take from it what you can. You know, most of the time it's... Huh, it's a lot of stuff that you can tell yourself, frankly, and that, you, you know, you should tell yourself and that you tell yourself all the time in your better moments. Um... But anyway, a lot of times, though, it's, you know, opportunities to look at things a different way and, to you know, you know, grab a few things out of this person's, you know, toolkit and cultivate a habit or two. And 
even if only one or two habits sticks, you know, sometimes that's something that helps you get somewhere. So I always fuck with it. I always fuck with it and probably always will. Um, and so I was, you know, perfect, uh, fodder for, you know, landmarking. <laughs> landmarking. Mark. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I got, I enjoyed it, though, uh, and, but I experienced it, I got out unscathed, I didn't, I didn't recruit anybody else to join Landmark for, and I didn't go back for any advanced training. It, the reason why, because it felt culty, um, the people looked like they had a, you know, like a Kool-Aid twinkle in their eye that was like not totally good, it was like we look really wholesome, but something about us is a little bit off and it just feels like everything was forced and try hardy um you know and and people say that over and over again that theme is definitely you know repeated by others um you know check out the youtube videos from people who have been in this there's an asian dude who's really good who's um you know got like fucking five videos about it and he volunteered to help run a couple of weekends too you know and that's another thing they love to get you to come back and do is even if you're not going to take the advanced class yet or i think they want you to take the advanced class and once you've done that then you get to like it's a privilege get to volunteer to come back and give up your whole weekends again on a regular ongoing basis while other people are going through these initial weekends um the whole time with your cohorts asking you what you want to get out of volunteering. What are you, what do you want to get out of this? Like as if there was something more going on there that to me has yet to be determined that there's not something more going on there. As far as I'm concerned, it feels weird again, over and over again, it feels weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, they only called me a couple times after, I was out and I said I, you know, wasn't going to be able to make it back down. I didn't even give them that express of a, you know, forever no and don't ever call me back kind of thing. Um, so, you know, for all that, you know, I think at a certain level for most folks, they totally, you know, they get that no means no. And if you're not trying to stick around and do their thing, um, you know, they don't really put the screws to you too hard from what I've seen firsthand and the other people that again that report on it uh, online report that you know at a certain point as long as you're firm with them you can become disentangled with them you know pretty readily so you know the same way um, you can get in you are able to get back out so to speak um, but you know um, yeah yeah, they want you to enroll in more training. They want you to invite and, and recruit everybody you know into Landmark as well because your worldview is going to be changed so fundamentally that, you know, you're going to lose a lot of people because they're not going to look or feel the same way to, you know, to you anymore. And, and you're going to want to help them, you know, get to that same place, right, uh, is, the, is the pitch. So it's complex. I mean, there's a lot that's thrown at you there um, on that front. And, you know, they go right for your heartstrings with your family and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it's you know uh, Werner Erhard, the uh, the founder. He had early connections to Scientology. Okay, so yeah, I have a note about that here, and that's you know maybe one of the biggest stories in and of itself. Like a, a good podcast could do a whole episode just on the landmark forum Scientology uh, connection or the Werner Erhard L. Ron Hubbard connection uh, when he left. The Church of Scientology. He was an early member of the Church of Scientology. When he left Scientology, it was during a time when Scientology itself was in crisis. Period. A bunch of people were leaving the church. When Earhart, who was a you know a, like a kind of maybe not necessarily a nobody, but he was like a uh, not necessarily uh, in Elrond's inner circle, but he proved influential when he left, and a bunch of people left with him. Some of whom went on to help found the EST training uh seminars with uh Erhard and which uh Elron and the Scientologists, you know, pretty much were looking at as some sort of intellectual property encroachment situation. They were not stoked about this shit. Uh you know, Elron figured uh, you know, Earhart was, you know, taking, you know, committing brain drain against the Church of Scientology because people leaving the Church of Scientology were ending up in EST. Blah, blah, blah. Um, some of them, you know, running EST seminars and stuff like that. So then, therefore, you know, maybe they were using Scientology, you know, uh, techniques and, and, you know, language and, you know, etc. in the EST program because of this. So they perpetrated like a years long, you know, maybe decades long harassment campaign against Earhart. Um, they followed him around where he was traveling and they harassed him and fucked with him for years. And I think they tried to sue him. Uh, so they just busted his balls and caused him pain all the time. And obviously being Scientology, they had enough money to do that, uh, pretty much, you know, for a long, long time until recently. Earhart's still around. This guy's alive today. He's still doing talks today. He's still doing corporate retreats today, by the way. He's not involved with the Landmark Forum in any way, shape, or form, by the way. They sold, he and his cohort sold EST's curriculum and its main, you know, method to former students who then created something that became the Landmark Forum. So, um, why exactly, uh, there was, bad press, Earhart was looking like, you know, a little bit of a culty weirdo. And, you know, the uh, EST training seminars were said to be kind of harsh. People were said to be getting, you know, shell-shocked and traumatized in them, you know, to an extent. Uh, you know, that the, you know, one-size-fits-all, you know, uh, approach to, you know, uh, a weekend long intensive group psychotherapy session that includes everything up to and including like a group hypnosis, uh, exercise or two, uh, you know, is not, you know, the best approach for everybody and, uh, was, you know, causing a lot of people a lot of, uh, stress. So he took a break. I think he might have been dodging a lawsuit. He really needed to get out from under the whole thing and step away from it, and that he did. And uh, that became the landmark for him. So, yeah, 
I guess uh, my last thought before moving into uh, what I have here, which is a couple little things, but uh, and yeah, it's a long episode. What do you want? It's what you get when we give you a good episode. Sometimes it goes over an hour. The training I noted here, it's never cheap. The initial weekend is several hundred dollars. Uh, I had it paid for by my father-in-law and it was still several, you know, he shelled out several hundred dollars for me to go to this thing. Um, we both thought in all good faith that it was literally a career oriented thing. As far as I can tell, that's never been, uh, you know, I never thought that was anything different than what Phil thought he was doing for me. Um, and, uh, and you know, I mean, sure, fine. It is, I guess. If, you want to call what I've already described as a straightforward career development weekend, which I don't really think it is. Um, but it's never cheap. It only gets more costly as you advance to higher levels. So to me, you know, they have a stated purpose of like changing the whole world and making their teachings available to the whole world. But for the money that they continuously charge for this curriculum, they've been fucking shellacking out for, to people for, you know, however long now. Uh, I would think that this could be uh, a lot more accessible and a lot cheaper and, you know, donated and scholarship to a lot more groups than, um, than I think it is. So, um, but, you know, I do think that the pitch that they have, the value proposition that they put forward, uh, et cetera, and the way they sell it is definitely targeting, um, individuals in the case of the general public who get exposed to it individuals of limited means and who are struggling in their careers and lives okay because if you're college educated if you're well to do at all if you even just came from better school districts in general in normal public education and had access to better books and maybe knew a few people who were smarter in your life you're going to have come across a lot of the stuff that um, they actually give you in landmark. Um, you will have experienced it somewhere else along the lines. Um, so, you know, therefore the novelty of the curriculum when it's presented may not be as great and the impact may not be as great as it might otherwise be for someone who hasn't had that opportunity. Flip side. I'm saying here is the people who haven't had any of that exposure are also the least likely to have the money to electively take on this kind of training in the first place. If you ask me, if I'm not grossly oversimplifying the whole thing, um, you know, and I feel like, I don't know, it's maybe a being pitched as a replacement or a substitute for psychotherapy in general, you know, long-term work and training in those areas. So obviously this episode is cautionary and I, and I told my friend who was kind enough to share with me their, uh, thoughts and reflections. They're like unedited, uh, you know, stream of consciousness reflections right after having just gone through the landmark forum, uh, first weekend themselves. Um, and so you know, I want to stop short of an outright condemnation of the entire thing, and we're going to talk about it a lot more dynamically next episode when my friend George Masters is going to return, sit down with us. Uh, we're going to listen to uh, some audio clips from my friend who just went through the forum. 
and um, beginning with one that we're going to share today. Um, and uh, so what's going to happen here next is we're going to fade out on me um, or I'll you know hit the pause button or something. And then we are going to um, we're going to fade back in on a movie from the 1970s that I will have all the name title information to in the show notes. This is going to be a small excerpt from it where for about three minutes we're going to hear what was intended to be a parody of a EST type seminar um, opening moments uh, for new members and uh, you know this is all within the framework of the storyline of this movie which I really want to see the whole movie now and uh, want to find it but I only found the five minute clip on YouTube of this of this seminar but when I when I played it for myself it was like I was there like I was back at um, Landmark so I'll be interested to see if my friend when he hears this and hears this episode uh, feels the same way but we're going to play a couple of minutes of that, and uh, we're going to fade out on that. Then we're going to fade back in on my friend and their comments, their own audio that he sent to me that I'm so grateful to have. Thank you so much. And we're going to listen to the first little five-minute segment of his thoughts on day one of his Landmark Forum experience. We're going to save the rest of his audio for next week's episode where George and I will break down and talk a lot more about the landmark experience in general and some other schools that we have found and learned about that may be analogous to it in some way, shape or form. Um, we might talk a little bit more about that L Ron Hubbard, Werner Earhart connection. Um, but yeah, we're going to spend a lot more time on this and then we are going to share with you the rest of the audio from my friend's recent experience at the Landmark Forum. So um, thank you everyone for, of course, uh, tuning in as always. I guess we're at like an hour and 10 and I don't think much of that will be lost in editing, so whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, I hope you guys have a great, great rest of your week. I sure did enjoy telling you a little bit about this today. Uh, let's both keep our eyes, both, let's, yeah, because there's only one of you listening. <laughs> let's all keep our eyes on that Washington uh, home grow bill situation. And uh, I continue to ask for all of your help in keeping me updated on Oregon and California's legal scenes, uh, for that matter, Alaska. Uh, let's, you know, let's unify this left coast and uh, tell me all about what's going on in your neck of the woods, wherever it may be. Wherever you may be, I hope you're smoking every day and that what you're smoking is indica and that what you're doing is all sorts of shit anyway. We'll see you soon.
Well, that's something I forgot to tell you about, but it don't matter. I'll be right here when you come out. You're more nervous than me. I'm just happy. I know what's waiting for you in there. Every one of you. Your lives don't work. And you're assholes because you sit here and pretend they do. Well, this weekend, we're going to show you how that shit has gotten you exactly nowhere. For the next 48 hours, you're going to come face to face with the only problem you got. Yourself. think that problem's going to disappear, well, then you are bigger assholes than I think you are. What will disappear is your belief in yourself as a problem. Because believing, and get this, people, get this, believing is shit. Being is where it's at. It's what this weekend is all about. Finding out that you're where it's at. You. Nobody else. Finding out that what you are, all you assholes, is perfect. We gave you a list of rules when we took your money this morning going to be here for 48 hours. And if you assholes have any questions, Mary Ray, wait for the microphone. Why can't we go to the bathroom if we have to? Because you can't. Well, why can't we? Because it's a rule. Why is it a rule? Because it works. Why can't we talk to our friends while we're here? Because they're part of your asshole life that comes between you and what you have to get rid of. questions. What I want from you today are your souls. Souls of your feet. You can be wide awake or fast asleep. If you stay in this room, you're going to get the training. You're going to get it. What's it? That's what you get. How will I know when I've gotten it? You'll know. Suppose I know that I haven't. That's how you know you have. Now you're going to meet someone here for the very first time. Someone you've never met before. Yourself. But before we do that, I want you to meet the other people here. Really meet them. Not the way you meet people on the outside, which is like this. Tom! Fred! How you doing? Fine. How's your wife and kids? They're fine. Good to see you. Good to see you. Ciao. <laughs> now let's see what happens when two people really meet. Tom. Fred.
You see? Tom is now meeting a person. Get it? Now, what I want you all to do is to get up... Hey, what's going on? Uh, how you doing, fellow stone, stone listeners, fellow baked and awakers? Uh, my name is Matt. I'm actually a uh, inhabitant of New York City. I've been living here for about uh, my whole life, moving in around and about. Um, I'm here to talk about my experiences with the Landmark Forum and all that it has to offer. So in this video, I'll try to keep it brief, short, summarize my whole experience with the Landmark Forum and my further, my, my future with the forum as well. So a little background, uh, I started the forum, uh, I was originally supposed to start the forum on Friday the 5th to, I believe, the 5th, 6th, 7th, Monday would have been a day off, and Tuesday the 9th would have been graduation ceremony. Now, had I have done that, I would have been uh, over with the forum uh, quicker. I probably wouldn't have gotten as much as i gotten from it as I did this time around. And I probably wouldn't have met the people that, I've, that I have met this time around as well. Uh, I, I uh, joined the forum because somebody gave me an opportunity to join the forum. I initially showed interest into... Uh, into per, into doing something with the forum, whether it be assistant work or something of the sort. Uh, but I was uh, surprisingly was sponsored by an individual who saw the potential in me to make something out of it. <laughs> so this individual, she sponsored me. She paid the fee. I did the three days. So you know, I was very very excited, very ecstatic, uh, grateful is definitely the best word I could use for it. Um, so I get there the first day. First day was rough. <laughs> First day, I didn't know what to expect. It was 15 hours in a room with no window, no clocks, and you're just uh, you're sitting there. You're listening to this. Uh, the my form leader, his name is Jerry Baden. You're listening to this man speak to you, um, and not only is he speaking to you, but he's. It was somewhat condescending at first. It felt a little bit uh, pretentious. It felt like here was a man who was just telling you that everything you knew about life was wrong, and everything you're doing is wrong, and every the way you're going about it is wrong. And you know, at first it triggered a bunch of people, it made me laugh. Um, due to the fact that I've done like metaphysical studies and things like that, transcendental meditation, and uh, experienced in alchemy, and I've uh, experienced uh, teachings with hermeticism, I knew he was on the right track. And initially, that's what had gotten me interested in uh, acquiring a landmark education because a lot of the terminology they used was meta they used were metaphysical and uh, it, it just it's it spoke to me in a way that it was just, uh, kind of is ear reaching I don't know if it makes sense but it, it felt it felt like it made sense to me so I took the the first day with a grain of salt we're there for 15 hours so now that we're there the so the exercises were uh, calling people in your life, making breakthroughs, people that you have issues with, troubles with, things like that, of the sort of that nature. And it got pretty heavy after a while. 
Uh, there were people who came up to speak about their experiences with rape and with financial insecurities and divorce and things like that. It was interesting. I'm sitting there. I'm listening to these individuals. I'm listening to 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 powerful individuals at that speak about things that, that are affecting them, that are crippling them in their life and their life's work. So the first day was 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 heavy for everybody. It was a long day. We were sitting there. It felt like it was drudging on and on and on. As I was sitting there, I just kept thinking to myself, "Why am I doing this?" Um, but after afterwards, um. The form got, you know, the, afterwards I got over the the, the tiredness and the, the hudge and the drudge. And it became kind of eye-opening. Started speaking about the already always listening and uh, how we as individuals, we already have a concept to things happening before they even happen. So if uh, we're always right, but we're miserable. So we're, we're teaching ourselves to get uh, out of that way of thinking. First day was rough, but uh, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll send another clip with the second day, uh, with my thoughts on the second day. But it was rough. There were a lot of people who went up to the podium and spoke about things that bothered them, and surprisingly, a lot of those things were divorce related. So, I I I can't say that my mark is not the place to go for marital problems, but it's definitely. It's riddled with people who are getting divorced, and that's their last straw. And I always thought that I found that to be a little interesting. But yeah, I'll keep you posted with another video.